We're gabbing. We're gabbing. We're gabbing. We're gabbing. We're gabbing. We're gabbing. Welcome to gabbing. Gabbing. With Gracie. And Heather. How is it going? It's going pretty good. I am still catching up on last week's drink. Because remember, it was a very big bottle. Barefoot Wise of Vendale. I'm drinking Guinness. Jesus Christ. Unbelievable. That's like really, sometimes you just need a beer, right? We are continuing (laughs) with our never-ending series (laughs) on Pride and Prejudice. Move over, Supernatural. We have Pride and Prejudice to talk about now. Part three. Lord have mercy. It is is getting to Supernatural levels. (laughs) It really, really is. Well, we've made it all the way to chapter 13. I'm very excited about it. I I, I was quite interested in what I was reading. I got to the point last time where I thought I'm now going to read this letter from uh, Mr. Collins to Mr. Bennett. And I still didn't read it, by the way. You just skipped over it? I just skipped over it. I know. See, and that's the thing that I'm really enjoying about reading this now is like before... Like, we've read this book multiple times. You have probably read it more than I have. But, like, we've read it for, like, pleasure. Now we're reading it with the intention of discussing it. So we're picking up on so many things that we kind of would have, like, just glossed right over. You could say that again. So, Gracie, you got to read that letter. <laughs> I glossed over it. I... It's a lot longer than I remembered it being. Really? Why? Yeah, for some reason I thought it was just, like... A couple lines. I think maybe because you might be thinking about the miniseries. I don't think he read the full letter. Possibly. I think he might have chosen certain sentences to divulge. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, and it was basically anything that would have made Mr. Collins stand out as the dimwit that he is. And also because he's telling his wife about the letter mm-hmm. in the miniseries, he's he probably doesn't have to do the whole first part about like the dis- the disagreement. Like he probably doesn't mm-hmm, talk about mm-hmm. the disagreement between like Mr. Bennett and his father and whatnot. So he probably does skip over a lot of this now that I'm looking at it. And really all we need to know is that he is coming in the day yeah. of literally it's the last two sentences that we need to know in this letter now that i'm looking at it yeah so he's coming monday the november 18th like you said till saturday say night following so say night is a week or seven nights a term already obsolete and suggesting some pomposity on the part of the writer I want to bring to attention here is that he's known about this letter for how long and he decides to tell the oh, rest of go. his family. He's known for a month. He says about a month ago, I received a letter and about a fortnight ago, I answered it for that. It was a case of some delicacy and requiring early attention. Mm, That's not very early attention. No, he's so bold too like he's like it is from my cousin mr collins who when i am dead may turn you all out of this house as soon as he pleases he just has to he just has to bug mrs bennett yes yes or all of them really like you would think he'd have some consideration to his poor daughters lizzie at least it's especially lizzie so he's known about this 
a fortnight ago, two weeks before, he knew that Mr. Collins was coming, but did not say anything. And now that I think about it, he was right. I was going. I was going to complain. Yeah. How dare he? But it would have been two yeah. weeks of Mrs. Bennett. Oh, she would have been That's insufferable. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yes. Insufferable. <laughs> because it's, did he give her one day's notice or is it the same day that he's <laughs> arriving? It's the same day because after the letter, it says, at four o'clock, therefore, oh, we yeah. may expect this peacemaking gentleman, said Mr. Bennett as he folded up the letter. Wow. And I think he asked, he, doesn't he ask, like, what's... What's for dinner? I hope you have fish or something like that yes. for, for Miss Hill. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she was thinking yeah. it's Mr. Bingley. She's wishing the as opposite always. of Mr. Bingley. I hope, my dear, said Mr. Bennett to his wife as they were at breakfast the next morning, that you have ordered a good dinner today because I have reason to expect an addition to our family party. The audacity. I swear if we be pissed off. Yeah. I'd be pissed off. I'd be like, excuse me? Yeah, you I got think a fine meal for an extra person? It's mm-hmm. rude, if anything. It is. It really is. Like, how dare you? How dare you? At least give one day notice. Oh, Lord have mercy. So we finally get to meet dear Mr. Collins. But if anything happens before that, I don't think so. A little time. No, because he pretty much just, like, arrives immediately then. Mr. Collins arrives as we transition into from chapter 13 to 14 like he arrives in chapter 13 but it's just really their introduction and it's pretty quick it seems like but i mean, I think i feel as though we immediately or maybe because i've read the book so often like you just get an idea of his personality right away yeah his air was grave and stately and his manners were very formal was already complimenting Mrs. Bennett on having so fine a family of daughters. Said he had her such he had heard much of their beauty, but that in this instance fame had fallen short of the truth. It's like, dude, bring it down a notch already. He's very like he likes to praise and compliment. Like they talk about like um when they go to dinner, the girls smile at each other and then they say they were not the only objects of Mr. Collins' admiration. The hall, the dining room, all the furniture were examined and praised. <laughs> like, he's like, he's got a comment on everything. He does. He, he does it because he knows he's going to compliment an individual and that's going to put him in their good graces. Like, he wants to be seen as, like, a good guy, essentially. That's true. Isn't there something in one of the dinner scenes where... Mr. Bennett mm-hmm. asks him about his praises, mm-hmm. and does he say mm-hmm. something about his father? He, I, I don't recall that, but he does talk oh. about it being. Oh, if I could just find it, I Lord found it. Okay, um, let's see if it's the same thing we're thinking about. You judge very properly," said Mr. Bennett, "and it is happy for mm-hmm. you that you possess the talent of flattery with delicacy. Mm-hmm. May I ask whether these pleasing attentions proceeds from?" from the impulse of the moment or the result of previous study. And then he says, they arise chiefly from what is passing at the time. And though I sometimes amuse myself with suggesting and arranging such little elegant compliments as may be adapted to ordinary occasions, I always wish to give them as unstudied an air as possible. 
So he doesn't mention his father, but he does. Okay. For some reason, I thought he mentioned his father. But what I love about this is the next line where it says, Mr. Bennett's expectations were fully answered. His cousin was as absurd as he had hoped, and he listened to him with the keenest enjoyment, maintaining at the same time the most resolute composure of continence and accepted an occasional glance at Elizabeth requiring no partner in his pleasure mm-hmm. he just like enjoyed everybody being like he, ridiculous. <laughs> he, and he takes so much happiness so much joy in seeing people act up he's such a brat Mr. he is he is and he knew exactly what he was doing he intentionally asked him that question because he had a feeling already yeah. that that is what he was doing and his lizzie is his little partner in crime which is why she's mm-hmm. the only one that would get a glance mm-hmm, during that mm-hmm. time. But she's yeah. the only one that would get it, you know? Mm-hmm. Jane is too good. Yeah. Mrs. Bennett and Lydia are probably, well, Lydia's probably rolling her eyes. Um, and I don't know about Mary and Kitty, so <laughs> Mary's probably thinking about some scripture somewhere. And exactly. Kitty is just following Lydia's lead. Mm-hmm. Precisely. You're absolutely right, say. as you like to say. <laughs> and you are absolutely right because this is what i wanted to talk about he he knows exactly what he's doing and he gives it away to the whole family too the idiot yeah he doesn't say oh no it just comes naturally oh i didn't realize that oh what are you talking about no he's like oh no i do exactly this you know depending on the situation sometimes it's rehearsed sometimes it's not oh mr collins oh mr collins indeed and they already i think this was like the same evening right they already have had enough of him <laughs> oh yeah i think you're referring to the next part where oh, lydia gets yes. herself in some some yes. trouble she was rude by tea time however the dose had been enough and mr bennett was glad to take his guests into the drawing room again and when tea was over glad to invite him to read aloud to the ladies mr collins readily assented and a book was produced but on beholding it for everything announced it to be from a circulating library, he started back and, begging pardon, protested that he never read novels. Kitty stared at him, and Lydia explained, exclaimed, other books were produced, and after some deliberation, he chose for Dice's sermons. Lydia gaped as he opened the volume, and before he had with very monotonous solemnity, read three pages. She interrupted him with, Do you know, Mama, that my Uncle Philip talks of turning away Richard, and if he does, Colonel Foster will hire him. And I'm going to leave it at that. So we do get Richard in in the mix there. Which we talked about last week. Yes. She just done interrupted the poor man while he was trying to read. Side note, I think that's the only time Richard's mentioned in the entire novel. Oh, okay. Yeah. For Fordyce, I don't know if it's Fordyce or Forda- Forsyth sermon. That was like geared towards young ladies. And it was like an, it was kind of like an etiquette, like how young ladies should be acting at yes. the time. Do you want me to read the uh, little Oh, is there a blurb? Yes. Yes, but I just want to say that in a lot of the Mary Bennett adaptations like books and stuff they mention her reading this these sermons all the time like they really focus on it i would not be surprised but okay well, i know i mean you you basically yeah. said it i mean for fordyce's sermons 
James Fordyce sermons to young women, 1766, have been attacked by Mary Wollstonecraft. In a vindication of the rights of women, 1792, for being written in, quote, such an affected style. The scene here recalls the rivals, one, two, where Lydia Languish, surprised in her dressing room, has to hide her novels and leave Forsyth sermons open on the table. Forsyth's condemned modern novels and their dangerous effects on young women. Hence, the careful irony of Lydia Languish's choice and Austin. Now, I don't know who Lydia Languish's is, but now I'm curious. Lydia was like super rude. Not surprising. Yeah. She just like cannot hold her tongue. Like she could I, I have asked that, but quietly. You know what I'm saying? And it had nothing to do with anything. No. You never mentioned Richard before. You never mention him again. I mean, I <laughs> hope he doesn't get fired. <laughs> but at least he's got a job if he does get fired. Oh, my God. And it doesn't, like, what kind of bugs me is, like, we never know, like, why is Mrs. Phillips? gonna let him go if he's the end mm-hmm. plus if he's that great that like they're gonna they want him in the army if he gets let go like why is she letting him go yeah that you know that is a really good point because obviously everyone is in everyone's business so why would he why is he being let go and is it so bad that the colonel like the colonel forrester wouldn't take them in take him in yeah and these well, are the things we need to know. Exactly. Can we have a story about Richard? That would be an interesting fan fiction. There might somebody, be one already yeah. made. There's somebody out there. Somebody somebody picked up on the whole Richard Richard thing was like, let me give this man a story. I think that was like really it for chapter 14. I think so. You know, Mr. Yeah. Collins got offended. He said he wouldn't read again. And I think they started playing. Oh, backgammon. Yeah. Have you ever played backgammon? I was just about to say I've never played ga- backgammon. But they talk about backgammon, and then later on they talk about whisk, and I've always wanted to learn how to play whisk. So let's see what happens next in our lovely little book. This is just all about Mr. Collins. The subjugation in which his father had brought him up had given him originally great humility of manner, but it was now a good deal counteracted by the self-conceit of a weak head living in retirement and the consequential feelings of early and unexpected prosperity. A fortunate chance had recommended him to Lady Catherine de Burrow when he was living in Huntsford, when the living for Huntsford was vacant. His father didn't really raise him correctly. Essentially. Yeah. Do you think that is because it seems like his mom wasn't around? Maybe she had passed away when he was young. Yeah, I don't think they mention his mother at all, so... They don't. They really don't. They also don't mention Mr. Darcy's mother or Mr. Bingley's mother. Well, I take it back. They wow. do mention Miss Mrs. Darcy, I guess. I don't know what she goes yes, by. Yes, because that was Lady Catherine's sister. That's right. And I think she was like a lady... Like, because I think she had a title. Yes, I believe you are. But it correct. didn't pass on to Darcy because it, you can't get your title from your mother at the time uh-huh. or whatever. Yes, and we learn about this with our encounter with someone 
I, we'll just wait it out until we get to that yeah, point, shall we'll we? Get to, we'll get to her at some point. Yeah. Basically, in this chapter, all the girls, minus Mary, walk with Mr. Collins to Meryton, and they end up running into Denny, who is with mm-hmm. a handsome stranger. Yes. Who ends up being Mr. George Wickham, who has just joined the regiment. Dun-dun-dun! Yes. This is when drama starts. All were struck with the stranger's air. All wondered who he could be. And Kitty and Lydia determined, if possible, to find out. Led the way across the street under pretense of wanting something in an opposite shop. And fortunately, had just gained the pavement when the two gentlemen turning back had reached the same spot. And thank goodness they know Danny, because otherwise they wouldn't be able to approach them. Oh, oh my God. And that would have been tragic. Oh, They would have found a way, though. To be a teenager again. Oh, my God. I was so dramatic myself. Like, I totally get them. (laughs) Well, I was just about to say the the pure drama of the teenager. The pure drama, the hormones, all the raging. Everything is so big. Yeah. You could say that again. And no one feels (laughs) and understands what they go through. Well, next, so they're talking with... Mr. Wickham and Mr. Denny, and up rides Mr. Bingley and Mr. Darcy. Who were on their way to Longmorn to inquire after Jane and how she was feeling. Because this wasn't, this was like the day after, right? Or like two days after she came back. It was a real short time, yeah. Well, And I'm um, trying to find the part that I love. Is it when Elizabeth happening to see the countenance? Yeah. Both as they looked at each other was all astonishment. And they, as in Mr. Darcy and George Wickham, was all astonishment at the effect of the meeting. Both changed color. One looked white, the other red. Mr. Wickham, after a few moments, touched his hat, a salutation which Mr. Darcy just deigned to return. What could be the meaning of it? It was impossible to imagine. It was impossible not to long to know. Now, who do you think was white and who do you think was red? That is a very, 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 very good question that to this day, well. could be either way. Because Wickham could have been white, like, oh, shit. And Darcy could have been like, I'm going to fuck this dude up. Exactly. But then it could have been like, Wickham is like, look at this motherfucker coming up here. And he's going to tell everybody what I did. And then Darcy might be like. Oh my, oh my god, god. he's gonna do something to one of these young ladies like he did to my family it's so it like go either way it could it could and i love that she doesn't say it yeah thank you for true. bringing that up because i never realized that i always wonder like oh who could it be but i never thought about it that through thank you yeah. heather Well, I just, my initial response was, oh, Wickham was white and Darcy was red. But then I was like, but knowing Darcy, he's starting to feel things for Elizabeth. So this man who really messed up his family is now suddenly like in the street talking to this woman that I now have feelings about. I never even thought of that. I never even thought of that. And, and, And this is with the knowledge that we have. Yeah. I'm still acting like as if I'm just seeing all of this for the first time you're yeah absolutely right 
I love this book so much. Absolutely right. Oh my God, Heather. Ooh, I'm so excited right now. <laughs> that is great. That is just wonderful. And of course, Bingley doesn't notice anything. Oh, he's like all his happy, oblivious <laughs> self. He's got Jane on the brain. He's like a happy dog. He's just like, oh. Yeah, he's just vibing, living his best life. So we see that they eventually leave Bingley and Darcy, right? They're like, oh, we just came to check in on you and that's it. I found that so quick. You would think he would have stuck around a little bit longer and say, where are you going? Could I walk with you? But they don't have chaperones. You know what I find interesting? They don't have chaperones. Miss, well, Mr. Collins would be their chaperone. Why, though? Because he ain't going to let any. Because he's an older man that's related to them. They were only there for a hot minute, which. It doesn't make any sense to me. If you're like that interested, then why aren't you around? But I, I have to remind myself, like, this is different times. Like, maybe they're not allowed yeah. to be talking to them for so long. Like, and even if they would have gone, it would have been like 15 minutes because they would just go in a call. Can we tell who? Um... Oh, no. Okay. It was Bingley because it says in another minute, Mr. Bingley, but without seeming to have noticed what passed, took leave and rode on with his friend. Because mm-hmm. I was like, did Darcy prompt them to leave? Because I could see that happening. But yeah, you would think that Bingley would try to like find any excuse to be near Jane. Yeah, but maybe because of societal norms, like he's not supposed to be around or something, even though you're saying that Mr. Collins is the chaperone. And they're on their way to their aunt. So like, perhaps it was just like, they really shouldn't be inviting themselves or hindering them from going to the aunt's house or something. That would make sense. That would make sense. Because they are proper gentlemen. That is correct. So they go to Mrs. Phillips. There's Mr. Collins complimenting her. Um, Of course, she thought that he was dissing her home for a second there. But she realizes that he's actually comparing her, whatever room it was, to the small breakfast parlor. Which I have... I understood that. Where is it? Let me let me find my little trusty annotations in the back. Yeah, I wrote down. She doesn't like Mr. Collins, but she loves Wicca. But that's Mrs. just for Phillips? now. No, well, I mean, she eventually does like him because he's yeah. off- he's offering so much compliments. I oh my gosh, I can't she becomes entranced that. because doesn't she doesn't it say like she can't wait to go talk about everything that he's told her to all her other lady friends but yeah at first she's like put off by him and she's like dazzled by Wickham because he's so charming but then like yeah Mr. Collins seems to to warm oh oh, this is oh this is like later on in the party the little get-together that Mrs. Phillips winds up having yeah it's not like a full-on dance or anything but they have like supper and play games and stuff because that's when they talk about whisk I'm sorry I'm like going back and you know Mrs. Phillip is very happy to see her nieces did they ever enter the house itself Um... because I could have sworn they entered the house and this is having reread this just recently and that's when he paid the compliments but you are right well, Here it was it probably okay. they just went for a short visit, like how we were talking about the other week, how like you would go for short visits, like it could be like 15, 20 minutes, like for tea or something like that. 
but they make plans for the next day to have like the get together and play games yes, and stuff yes like and something more formal it is him complimenting her um home the size and furniture of the apartment that he declared he might almost have supposed himself in the small summer breakfast parlor at rosings a comparison that did not at first convey much gratification but when mrs philip understood from him what rosings was and who was his proprietor when she had listened to the description of only one of lady catherine's drawing rooms and found that the chimney piece alone had cost 800 pounds she felt all the force of the compliment and would hardly have resented a comparison with the housekeeper's room 800 pounds that's absurd 800 pounds let me let, let's break it down here okay that's so first off today's times first oh, off the small summer breakfast parlor the reference to more than one breakfast parlor is an indication of the superior size of lady catherine's house i didn't get that did you get that i never got that well why would you have more than one unless you had a huge ass house exactly and then the chimney piece alone had cost 800 pounds chimney pieces were very elaborate often forming the central figure of a large room the ornate surrounds might be carved from marble or wood and had recently come to include details such as ionic columns as the neoclassical interior designs of the Adam brothers became fashionable. At 800 pounds, Lady Catherine's is nevertheless the chimney piece to end all chimney pieces. Mr. Collins's pride in its cost is a sign of his own lack of breeding. Which I'm like, what? Really? <laughs> Why would that be his own lack of breeding? Wait, say that one more time. It's like showing off in a way like, oh, yeah. Okay. Like because somebody that has a lot of wealth isn't going to like want to flaunt it. Brag about it. But here he goes and he brags about it. And so my question is, how does he know that it costs 800 pounds? Because Lady Catherine DeBurr thinks she's all fancy, but she probably brags about it to him. And he goes and he brags about it to everyone else. I mean, people find out about things regardless, yeah. right? It's like someone has to talk and it's her. Or like maybe he finds out from like the workers or something. That seems possible. Yeah. I was going to say maybe he read a magazine, but I don't know if they had magazines back then like that. They might have had like a catalog or something. <laughs> But yeah, like him, like right. He's a bragger, like he's a bragger, but not of his own. He's a bragger of like he's trying to live vicariously through Lady Catherine. Well, she gave him the living, right? Yeah, she invites him over to and play like, games. You even see like Darcy, he downplays like if his estate comes up or anything like that, he downplays it. Like how we were talking last week about mm-hmm. how he says like, oh, it's not me. It's been generations of slowly people like getting little things here and there. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so he's trying to like kind of downplay. Not everybody thinks how that expensive. way. So, yeah, so it was probably like frowned upon in society to talk about money and what things cost and things like that. And that's why, like, when Mrs. Bennett keeps talking about like, oh, he has four or five thousand pounds, he has ten thousand pounds, like, people are like, what is wrong with you? Yeah, you don't talk about people's wealth. Yeah. Or lack thereof. You just don't talk about money, I bet. 
Yeah, because she's even talking about how the Lucases, I think at one point, don't have that much money. Yeah, and I'm like, why are you talking about people's business? Mind your business. Yeah. She loves to, like, have days at the Lucases. It drives me nuts. Because I don't see yeah. the point in it. She's very competitive the with them. She is. And they're well, supposed to be her friends. You know? Lord. Friends like hers. She's their friend of me that's right well at this little get together who shows up well he gets invited because he, he well that is true his... that is true <laughs> did you think he just showed sorry. up he just showed up <laughs> sorry but you know what i mean like so he mr wickham shows up after his invitation and they have games and supper at marison and they mr. play with wickham was the happy man towards whom almost every female eye was turned. And Elizabeth was the happy woman by whom he finally seated himself. Because he's got eyes for Lizzie. I only and he's got some story to tell her. Frickin' Wickham. You want to tell it? Because I'll, I'll probably get pissed off. <laughs> Let me find it. Because I'm just like, I just like, so well, now we know exactly. Well, everyone, please remember that Elizabeth at know. this point, yeah, she she does just doesn't like Darcy because yeah. of his attitude. She thinks he's um a proud individual, hence yeah. the title Pride and Prejudice. So like, she doesn't know, and um, so let me. He does not play whisk. He inquired how far Netherfield was from Meryton, and after receiving her answer, asked in a hesitating manner how long Mr. Darcy had been staying there. About a month, said Elizabeth. And then, unwilling to let the subject drop, added, he is a man of very large property in Derbyshire, I understand. And Wickham goes, yes, his estate is a very noble one, a clear 10000 per annum. You could not have met a person with more capable a person more capable of giving you certain information on that head than himself or than myself, for I have been connected with his family in, in a particular manner from my infancy. And Elizabeth is surprised because mm. she's like, what? Mm. And he says, you may be well surprised, Miss Bennett, as such an assertion after seeing, as you probably might, the very cold manner of our meeting yesterday. Are you much acquainted with Mr. Darcy? And she says, I'm going to try to paraphrase this. I spent four days in the same house with him, and I think him very disagreeable. And Wickham plays it, because he's like, I have no right to give my opinion mm -hmm. as to him being agreeable or otherwise. I'm not qualified to form one. I have known him too long and too well to fair, fair judge. Impossible for me to be impartial. And then she basically says, like, nobody around here likes him they find they're disgusted with his prize right. his pride uh, well I, I i like how he sorry to interrupt but i like I how he like it's my first time saying sorry to interrupt he kind of like i feel like he kind of like shouts her out like i believe your opinion of him would in general astonish and perhaps you would not express it quite so strongly anywhere else and it's like she can say whatever the fuck she wants to say whenever the fuck she wants to say and to whomever she wants to fucking say it to that's a really good point. You know, I was like, hold up, wait a minute, okay? No. And I'm glad she said, you know, I say no more here than I might say in any house in the neighborhood. Yeah. But but she's also saying it because she knows everyone doesn't like him. 
Yeah. As you said. So if it was in a different circumstances, she might not be saying it. Possibly. Which, you know, you also don't want to be starting rumors. Like there has to be other people starting rumors as well. Yeah. And see, that's where he's trying to, he's playing it cool. Because mm-hmm. he's not like, he's not being like, oh, I can't stand him. He's trying his best to just learn what she's about yeah. to say. He's just kind of like gently proding her. So he goes, he's he's like, do you know if he's whether likely to be in the country much longer? And she's like, oh, I don't know. And then she's worried about him being like driven off by Mr. Darcy. And he's like, no, I'm trying to find the good part. Uh, so he starts to talk about the Darcy family. His father, Miss Bennett, the late Mr. Darcy, was one of the best men I have ever reft. And the truest friend I ever had. And I can never be in company with this Mr. Darcy without being grieved to the soul by a thousand tender recollections. His behavior to myself has been scandalous, but I verily believe I could forgive him anything and everything rather than disappointing the hopes and disgracing the memory of his father. And then Elizabeth is like, hmm, tell me more. Elizabeth. She's fell right into it yeah she did hook line and sinker mm-hmm. he said it was the prospect of constant society and good society which was my chief inducement to enter the shire i knew to be it most respectable perhaps core and my friend denny tempted me further on his account um, so he's talking about how, like, he came to Meryton. So he knew Denny before, but they don't really go into how well, he knew Denny, do they? I don't recall. I guess we'll find out. But I just feel as though he must, he must know, no, he must have known him just recently because I don't yeah. think he would have gone through all that effort. Like, Wickham's personality is a winning personality, like you just said hook line sinker he just gets everybody to trust to trust him yeah and that's how he screws over the whole yeah because he's he's stupid he's smart but he's stupid yeah at the same time because he's put himself in a situation that no one well girl let me not say anything we'll get to that point when we get to that point I feel like he couldn't have known him more than a couple years because I think it's only been a couple years since something happened if I'm doing the math correctly. Know. You know, I but, don't, I don't yeah. know. But we'll get really into that know. more. But he goes on, um, a military life is not what I intended for, but circumstances have now made it eligible. The church ought to have been my profession. I was brought up for the church, and I should at this time have been in possession of a most valuable living had it pleased the gentleman we are speaking of just now. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> Yes, the late Mr. Darcy bequeathed me the next presentation of the best living in his gift. He was my godfather and excessively attached to me. I can not do justice to his kindness. He meant to provide for me amply and thought he had done it, but when the living fell, it was giving elsewhere. Good heavens, cried Elizabeth, but how would that be? Uh, so it turns out there was just an informality in the terms of the bequest as to give it 
no hope from law. A man of honor could not have doubted the intention, but Mr. Darcy chose to doubt it or to treat it with a merely conditional recommendation and asserted that I had forfeited all claim to it by extravagance and prudence, in short, anything or nothing. So yeah, so he's basically accusing Darcy of going against his father's wishes and not giving Witches. him mm -hmm. the livelihood that he had said that he was going to leave him. The living of being a preacher, yeah. just like Mr. Collins. Can you imagine Wickham as a preacher? Oh my God, he'd impregnate the whole entire town and just try to, <laughs> he would have created a cult. You're absolutely correct. Cult. Yeah, he really would. Does he, ha does he have the stamina to be a cult leader? He has the charming features of someone. He's yeah. very cunning. But yeah. yeah, he's not cunning. And that's something that we will have to wait, unfortunately, to get into. But, you know, we should discuss this further on, like, towards the end of the book. Because there are yes. certain people that I think he could have sucked in to his cult. Because even after knowing everything that you know, there's one particular person who like still hook line and sinker loves him still hook line and sinker loves him okay okay and it's maybe not Lydia. i cannot think of who it is but as we read maybe yeah. i'll be like this must be the person that heather's talking about okay so maybe we it can actually, have off in the last chapter i will be going off i will tell you okay what do you guys think could. Who is Heather going to go off on? Who is Heather show? going to go off to in the last chapter? But also, <laughs> who is the person or who would have been part of Mr. Yeah. Wickham's cult? Which one? I'm. But yeah, so Lizzie completely believes every word coming out of this every man's word. mouth. And she does so because she doesn't like Darcy. Yeah. Simply because she doesn't like Darcy. She's being prejudicial against Darcy mm -hmm. because she's just like, this is a proud, arrogant man. Mm -hmm. Of course he would do this. Of course. Why would he not do this? But at this point, do you remember when you first read this? Were you like, what? Were you also like Lizzie? Did you believe it? I don't remember what I thought, but I think hmm. I would have felt the same way. Like, I can't believe this. What? Because we don't know anything about Darcy. This I, man is giving yeah. us more information about Darcy in like a, a page than we have with him interacting with Elizabeth at Netherfield. I, yeah. I don't remember because it's been 30 years. Holy fuck. Likewise. But, wow, Heather. I read it when I was 14 too. Yeah. I mean, 30 years ago. Yeah. But I'm giving away age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we both read it when we were 14. I'm pretty sure that I would have believed him because you're meant to, like, go along with whatever Elizabeth is thinking. Like, And so far, what we've seen has not necessarily put him in a good light. Yeah. He's just the guy who, like, we don't like him and he happens to like Lizzie. Yeah, like he's still, he's not treating Lizzie very nicely. No, he's not. I mean, he's or his family. Than, he's better than the first moments, but like, we're still not like pro Mr. Darcy at this point. No, definitely not. And this is me meant to be. Yeah, and like, like like the whole like him talking about her eyes was the start of my confusion. Because so I was like, wait a second, I thought you didn't like her. And now you like her? That's okay. It just shows that we turned into little kids. I like her, but I'm not going to treat her nicely. <laughs> You're right. You're absolutely right. And so we get a glimpse of 
Darcy through, supposedly, through Wickham. Um, and they grew up together. Yeah. Because they grew up in the same parish. They were born in the same parish, within the same park. And the greatest part of our youth was passed together. Inmates of the same house sharing the same amusements, objects of the same parental care. My father began life in the profession which your uncle, Mr. Phillips, appears to do so much credit to. But he gave up everything to be of use to the late Mr. Dorsey and devoted all of his time to the care of the Pemberley property. Yeah, so he was basically the manager. He was kind of, um, if you want to go to Downton Abbey, he was Tom. (laughs) He was Tom. Oh, yeah. Do you think that he truly cared for Darcy's dad? I'm sure he was because he was, I mean, I don't think it's contested that the late Mr. Darcy was his godfather or had intended to give he was him just that a, living. He was just a brat. Yeah. He grew up entitled and a brat. Entitled, so, yeah. yet he he wasn't at the status to be entitled. Even, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not right for me to be saying that, but that was the society at the time. He, he felt that he deserved to have the same level as Darcy he was adjacent enough yeah because like because of the late Mr. Darcy being so kind-hearted he kind of raised him in the same household and he was given the same privileges that little Fitzwilliam Darcy Fitzy. so cute we'll get into it more when we learn more about Mr. Darcy but they grew up in the same environment but they end up personality wise being completely different which we can already see here because George Wickham is so charming upon first meeting him where Mr. Darcy is very reserved and socially awkward and yeah it doesn't ease into society especially society he doesn't know it kind of makes sense because coming from a rich family, you don't people are going to treat you if they're being genuine. Yeah, and so I think we talked about that before. Rich. That's like, you can't trust, yeah, you can't trust it. Like, are they just after him for his 10000 a year? Exactly. Not only do we learn a little bit about Darcy, we also learn about his sister because... Course, All from the perspective of George. Exactly. Yeah. From the perspective of George. Lizzie couldn't help herself. What sort of a girl is Miss Darcy? He shook his head. I wish I could call her amiable. It gives me pain to speak ill of a Darcy, which that's all he's been doing, by the way. You're doing them dirty, buddy. Yeah. Especially little Miss Darcy. You know. But she is too much like her brother. Very, very proud. As a child, she was affectionate and pleasing and extremely fond of me. Mm. And I have (laughs) devoted hours and hours to her amusement. But she is nothing to me now. She is a handsome girl of about, oh, sorry, about 15 or 16. And I understand highly accomplished. Since her father's death, her home has been London, where a lady lives with her and superintends her education. That is a loaded freaking paragraph right there where he says, she was extremely fond of me. Mm-hmm. I devoted hours and hours to her amusement. You creepy as fuck, dude. I know. Like, I like just saying hours and hours to her amusement like what does that mean like it makes her being so much extremely fond well especially us knowing the whole story exactly and reading this 
Exactly. You a creeper. Exactly. Like, how far did it go? And she, so she's currently 15 or 16. So that's why I said, like, this whole thing that went down where they don't like each other, it couldn't have happened that long ago. So I don't think that Denny would have known him at that time. So I don't think Denny, like, I think you're right that Denny has not known him. Like, they're friendly he's enough so, that he was like, so, come join my regiment, but yeah. he doesn't know him, know him. Yeah, like you said, he's charming. He could have just, he, not only are the women falling in love with him, but the men are falling in love with him. They're all just like, Mm -hmm. leaving every single word that he says I'm just gonna fast forward just a little bit because it is part of chapter 18 but like Denny says essentially like he's not at this party because because of because of Mr. Darcy and it's like so he's been telling everybody already about Darcy like he's he's trying to get a step ahead Mm-hmm. trying to get a step ahead of it so that Darcy looks like the bad guy and Darcy is the one that has to like be uncomfortable and leave society because he's playing the game and especially now that Elizabeth told him that nobody likes Darcy that Darcy hasn't made a good first impression very good point very good point and also he finally has a place to call home for lack of a better word mm-hmm. because it seems as though he hasn't been able to find good footing since he wasn't able to get the living and we know why. Mm-hmm. But we won't get into that until later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we learn about Lady Catherine de Bug from, as you say, George's point of view. And Mrs. Darcy comes up in this, doesn't Lady she... Anne Darcy. Yes. Were sisters. Consequently, yeah, were that sisters. she is aunt to the present Mr. Darcy. So apparently, everyone... Lady Catherine de Bourgh's daughter is to marry Mr. Darcy so that they can unite the family jewels. Just that is that the just hope to be of both mothers. Yes. What is it that he says specifically about Lady Catherine de Bourgh? Elizabeth says, Mr. Collins speaks highly both of Lady Catherine and her daughter, but from some particulars that he has related of her ladyship, I suspect his gratitude misleads him, and that in spite of her being his patroness, she is an arrogant, conceited woman. Lizzie also just stepping out, just talking as much as possible, because she wants to get as much information as possible. He says, I believe her to be both in a great degree. I have not seen her for many years, but I very well remember that I never liked her and that her manners were dictatorial and insolent, which they both are. So he's correct in that. She has a reputation of being remarkably sensible and clever, but I rather believe she derives part of her abilities from her rank and fortune apart from her authoritative manner and the rest from the pride of her nephew who chooses that everyone connected with him should have an understanding of the first class. I feel like he's on point there <laughs> in yeah. terms of her personality. He got that right. He got well, that even right. a broke clock is right twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try not to hate so much on Wickham yet. We have plenty oh, of gosh. the books. We have, we, have, we have a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm loving this rereading and discussing because it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, After so, this yeah. get together, it's the next day. 
Elizabeth related to Jane the next day what had mm -hmm. passed between Mr. Wickham and herself, Laura Child. And Jane, being Jane, mm -hmm. does not want anyone to be in the wrong. Mm -hmm. She's like, they have both been deceived, I dare say, in some way or another, of which we can form no idea. Interested people have perhaps misrepresented each to the other. It is, in short, impossible for us to conjecture the causes or circumstances which have alienated them without actual blame on either side. So she just, she can't bear it. And, like, Lizzie kind of makes fun of her. Like, Lizzie laughs at her and is like, Jane, you could never find fault with anyone. Basically. Basically. Yeah. And she's like, laugh as much as you want, but you will not laugh at me out of my opinion. Which I thought was very nice. I have to yeah. say, like, it's like they, they still stand their ground, both of them, but yeah. respectfully so. Yes, they very much love each other and respect each other, but they have that unconditional love that allows them to, to like, st stand their ground. Yes. Yeah. Um... So as they're talking about all this, Bingley and his sisters show up to personally invite them to the ball at Netherfield, mm -hmm. which is a very, very high compliment to come mm -hmm. personally invite someone, not just send an invitation. Exactly. Oh, boy. And the Bingley sisters, Mrs. Hurst and Ms. Bingley, I should say, were very attentive to Jane, avoiding Mrs. Bennett as much as possible, saying not yeah. much to Elizabeth and nothing at all to the others. They were like, soon gone away again. <laughs> I get avoiding Mrs. Bennett, but like, like, what is wrong with them? They have to be respectful, but they cannot help themselves because they're little bitches. You got six different women in the household that you're going to see and invite, and you're going to like completely ignore four of them, partially ignore one. In their own home. To, yeah, in their own home. In their own home. Like, be it, it, they weren't there that long because literally it says they were soon gone again, rising from their seats with an activity which took their brother by surprise and hurrying off as if eager to escape from Mrs. Bennett's civilities. So God knows they were probably there. Typically, a call is what, 15 minutes? They're probably there for like um, 10 minutes, five minutes. Well, 15 Deuces. minutes, I think, would be like if it's somebody that you're not very familiar with, which would make sense for this situation because they might know Jane a little bit more, but they don't really know the rest of them. So, yeah, you're probably on point with that. But, like, poor Bingley is like, I just want to hang out with Jane. Yeah, this is the second Way opportunity that he's me. had, and he's not able to, like, really hang out. Yeah, they're totally cock-blocking. <laughs> got Darcy on one side. We got Caroline and Louisa on the other side. And Jane and Charles are just trying to vibe together. <laughs> and no one's allowing them to vibe. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Uh, and then they're off. They're off. They're gone. Yeah. But and everyone's excited. Is the following Tuesday, I think. Oh, that I don't remember. My but... book's too far away. It's not that far. So they don't have a long wait to wait because Mr. Collins is going to be there. And he decides. That is true. 
that he it is it will be very acceptable for him to go to the ball. Elizabeth's spirits were so high on the occasion that though she did not often speak unnecessarily to Mr. Collins, she could not help asking him whether he intended to accept Mr. Bingley's invitation, and if he did, whether he would think it proper to join in the evening's amusement. And she was rather surprised to find that he entertained no scruple whatever on that head, and was very far from dreading a rebuke either from the archbishop archbishop or lady catherine de berg by venturing to dance and what does he do he cock blocks lizzie <laughs> he sure does he's like could i have the first two dance which i would love to know more about the dances now because i guess the first two are very very important that she was just like oh, she was holding it for yeah. wickham and it annoys me to no fucking end that is just like wickham 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 but of course she don't know she doesn't know well i think i have heard that it's supposed to be like the greatest compliment if a gentleman asks you for the first dance like because that means you're their their preference for the evening they want to dance with you first, first choice first dance yeah so for him to be like oh i want the first two dances poor lizzie he and he and he freaking he freaking knows she's, it because she's like, I mean, she doesn't know for sure, but she's kind of hoping that Wickham will go and he'll ask her for the first two dances. Because she's drank the Wickham Kool-Aid. She is. Mr. Wickham's happiness and her own was perforce delayed a little longer, and Mr. Collins's proposal accepted with as good a grace as she could. So she's like yeah. including like, like their happiness. And it's just like, like how do you, how sure are you that you think Mr. Wickham's happiness is going to be taken away because he doesn't have the first dance with you. Like, it makes you think, like, how much more they interacted. Well, we know that they interacted with each other a little bit more. The discussion wasn't always about yeah. the Darcy's and Lady de Berg and yada yada. Yeah, they talked about other stuff, too. So they spent the whole entire evening together, seems like. Yeah, and they're smitten. They are. They're in those first, like, giggly moments. And we're over oh, here shaking our heads at Lizzie oh, being like, girl, you don't even know. You don't know. Stay away. Stay away. Girl, stay away. We're oh, throwing the red flags up. What, what I found amusing was that if it wasn't for the Netherfield ball, apparently the oh, the younger Ms. Bennett would have been in a pitiable state at this time. For from the day of the invitation to the day of the ball, there was a succession of rain as prevented their walking to Meryton. No aunt, no officers, no news could be sought after. The very shoe roses for Netherfield were got by proxy. There's so, even just... Elizabeth might have found some trial of this. So I wonder how many days have passed. Yeah. And the dance is on a Tuesday. See, could have made such Mr. a Collins Friday, there more than Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Hold up. Okay, we're going to start investigating right now real quick. Because okay, hold on a second. Because he shows up on a Monday. There's no way he's only there for seven days. Or okay, well, well, we will continue to read. So, Okay, so it rained Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and the ball's on a Tuesday. Like, do people not work the next day? <laughs> These people don't work? Have we not discussed this? hating i am so freaking hating i don't understand how is that possible but i just picture lydia like sulking in the window staring at the rain probably being annoying Counting. as fuck because she's yeah. she, she would be a really annoying younger sister 
yes, okay, yes, he arrives Monday, November 18th, and he's supposed to stay at Senai, and we haven't read at all that they asked him to stay longer, or that he's saying, or he asking if it's okay for him to stay longer. Perhaps, perhaps, even though it's not mentioned, because of the invitation to the ball, oh, maybe accepts, and he stays longer, but they don't say that. Yeah. And how dare he not? Well, at this point, he doesn't know that Darcy and Lady Catherine de Bourgh are related, right? I think maybe he eventually finds... No. I think he finds that out at Netherfield, at the ball. Or he brings it up because he already knew. Okay. No, we'll get into it next week because we're actually yes. going to wrap this up. But I'm pretty sure that... He like is like, oh, I heard that gentleman is related, is the nephew of my patroness, and he right. wants to go over and talk to him. And then and Lizzie's like, like, no, no, I don't, think don't you, you dare. Oh, I was, man, I can't wait until next week. Yeah, I was crazy. Basically, a... got her fist up. She's ready to fight. I'm just like, but I have to try to remember, like, to you know, rear yeah. that. Like, okay, let me think of myself as. A girl of one and twenty is she one and twenty and not yet one and twenty not, not yet one and twenty she's twenty and just being like oh i like this person and i want this person to really like me and i'm so disappointed about this and that da, 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 da. like and i have to like know. go back she doesn't, she doesn't have all know. the information she doesn't know but i just feel like she's being naive yeah in this situation and i don't we're gonna stop here. We'll continue on with chapter eighteen and the Netherfield Ball. Oh yeah! Week. Oh yeah! yeah. <laughs> We're excited. A lot of stuff I feel like goes down at the Netherfield Ball. Yeah. So it'll be a great start to the next podcast. It's a big chapter. It's a long chapter. Let us know your thoughts on this week's episode, what we've discussed, chapters 13 through 17. We're going at a snail's pace, but that's because we got things to say. Let us know your thoughts on, are you reading along with us? Like, what are you loving? Yes, and answer, if you haven't already, yes. who you think is the worst villain. We made a list, and some people, you might be surprised as to who we yeah. added and it's for all of the Jane Austen novels. Yes. Do we have Darcy as a villain? No. I don't think we do. I don't think so either. But if you think Darcy is a villain, let us know why. Yeah. Because at this point, you kind of think he's supposed to be. You're like, what's up with this dude? But yeah, let us know on Instagram. Let us know what you think in general. Any thoughts? And then uh, like and follow us on Instagram, rate the podcast. The podcast is across most platforms where you can get podcasts. Uh, you can buy us a coffee. Yay. Just come say hi. Yeah, and, we'll take uh, a hi. Yeah, thanks for listening. And we'll be back next week to start up with Chapter 18. Thanks for listening to Gabbing. Gabbing. We're Gabbing. Uh, uh, we're Gabbing. We're gabbing, uh, uh, we're gabbing. We're gabbing, uh, uh, we're gabbing.